Father God, thanks that we can uh, gather this morning uh, to receive your word, open our hearts and our minds, that we might be nurtured and fed by your word. Uh, grow us in Christ Jesus, we pray, all, and we ask this all to your praise and glory. Amen. Please be seated. Well, there are two certainties in life, uh, and you know them, death and taxes. Of course, a Christian might respond and say, yeah, unless Jesus returns, and they'd be thoroughly right. Uh, sadly, another sure thing is the likelihood that you will probably be gossiped about at some stage. Uh, back when I worked for a trustee company all those years ago, I managed a team of people, and I remember a staff member walking into my office genuinely concerned about the office chatter and things that were being said. And I remember at the time being able to laugh about it and assured her, told her not to worry. Uh, and the reality is, sadly, it's fairly typical and unavoidable in the workplace. And if we expect there to be no gossip, then we're really dreaming. Uh, it's true the corporate world is a little different to being a pastor or living in a village community. Uh, and so the question then this morning must be, well, how do we go when we're the target of gossip? Gossip can be downright painful and hurtful. And 20 years ago, it was very easy to laugh it off. But of course, it's a bit harder to do when a close friend or maybe a committee member or a neighbour or a family member has committed treason against you. This is a sense of the psalm, I think, in uh, Psalm 55, the Old Testament reading we had. David cries out to the, to the Lord, If an enemy were insulting me, well, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, well, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with a throng at the house of God. See, gossip can and does hurt us, and it leaves us feeling vulnerable. We can become fearful when we don't know what is being said about us, and that's probably why it hurts so much. At one point, everything might seem well, and then suddenly everything is not so well, and you, well, you just can't control it. And maybe we fear and feel helpless. Maybe our response is to get on the phone and go into damage control. Maybe the most painful aspect of being gossiped about is the feeling of loss at the theft of our reputation because we value our good name. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. And a good name is something we try and cultivate, right? As much as it is in our power to do so, we do this by being people of good character. We make wise decisions. And that's all good. That's, that's okay because that's wisdom. But we cannot let our status or our reputation become an idol. We cannot let our reputation become the thing from where we get our self-worth, and that's the caution. 
But hear it again, we are right to cultivate a good reputation for the right motive. And the right motive, of course, is being Christian. We are right to strive to be Christ-like. Because we want to honour, not ourselves and our name, we want to exalt Jesus. We want to honour him and glorify him in our lives. That's the path of Christian. But the problem with gossip is it potentially white ants all of that, doesn't it? When gossip surfaces, our fear might be that it will slip out of our hands. So what are we to do? Well, Psalm 140 shows us David's response. You might like to turn there now. It's a song about his experience when he was the target. And notice the first thing he does is he takes his grievance to the Lord. Verse 1, Psalm 140. Rescue me, Lord, from evildoers. Protect me from the violent who devise evil plans in their hearts and stir up war every day. And there's the example, these evildoers. He takes it to the Lord. Those that are waging war against him, David's response is first, first port of call. Take it to the Lord. As we see the example, we're reminded, well, this isn't what we automatically do, is it? Instead of giving something to God, instead of handing it over, we, maybe we take matters into our own hands and maybe we'll respond by gossiping about the gossiper or complaining about the complainer. And we forget examples like this. The psalm is rich for us with these great examples. We forget the words of our first hymn this morning. Are we weak or heavy laden, encumbered with a load of care? Precious Saviour, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee, take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee, thou wilt find a solace there. It's a great hymn. We love it. But we need to heed the words. And when we do take it to the Lord... David, our example of faith, well, he just tells it how it is. And he's very specific in the way he relates to the Lord. Rescue me. Protect me. This is what they're like. Verse 1, rather. And so he doesn't miss words. See, our God, our God and Father isn't looking for us to just grin and bear it, to just be stoic, Without feeling, not at all, in these psalms, God invites us to tell him exactly how we feel. Psalms give us great license for, our, for the full spectrum of our emotions. We've said that before. And here David is saying, Lord, I feel attacked. I feel betrayed. I feel scared. Lord, I feel angry. Lord, I hate being gossiped about. Lord, take it away. All of those emotions are there. So look at verse 4 and 5. Keep me safe, Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Protect me from the violent who devise ways to trip my feet. They are arrogant and have hidden a snare for me. They have spread out the cords of their net. Uh, they have set traps for me 
along my path. O Lord, I say to the Lord, you are my God. Hear my cry for mercy. Verse 6. Now that's David's cry. And David, of course, had it far worse than maybe I ever will. Or maybe you ever will. Well, some were out to kill him. Well, as far as we know, David had it worse, right? But notice that faith doesn't minimise suffering. Faith does not say, this is no big deal, suck it up, princess, drink some concrete. That is not the way of faith. Faith is not about putting on a brave face and pretending that a situation is not scary. And what does faith do then? Well, faith takes the problem to the one who really cares. Faith takes the problem to the one who can do something about it, to the one who is listening and who cares deeply about our well-being. So verse 6, verse 6, I say to the Lord, you are my God. Hear, Lord, my cry for mercy. Sovereign Lord, my strong deliverer, you shield my head in the day of battle. Do not grant the wicked their desires, Lord. Do not let their plans succeed. Uh, so the question for us again this morning is that do you believe that God is here for you no matter what? Whatever our circumstances, whatever life's situation, it might be the death of a loved one, it might be a broken relationship, it might be no relationship, maybe it's loneliness or financial hardship or the farm is getting you down or work is hard or a relative is terminally ill. And maybe you say, well, where is God in all of that, Adam? And the response here we see is that God is here. All the way, he is here with us, walking that road with us, sharing that load with us, if we ask him. God is here for us. And so faith does not minimise suffering. Faith just helps you make sense of it. Notice verse 8, David not only asked God to hear him, he also asked God for justice to thwart the plans of the wicked. And so he asks for a reversal, that those bad things his enemies uh, wanted for David would come back on their heads. And so he cries for justice. Verse 8, Do not grant the wicked their desires, Lord. Do not let their plans succeed. Those who surround me proudly rear their heads. May the mischief of their lips engulf them. See, so the violence and the war is the mischief of their lips. Uh, verse 10, may burning coals fall, fall on them. May they be thrown into the fire, into the miry pits, never to rise. Verse 11, may slanderers not be established in the land. May disaster hunt down the violent. Then there are fighting words, right? Uh, again, how do we make sense of this? How do we, as Christians, do we just get the scissors out and cut these verses out and put them in the bin? How do we reconcile this with the command to love one's enemies? Verse 10 is very strong. I mean, how do you pray verse 10 without harbouring personal hatred or bitterness? 
I want to say to you, that I think the, it means, if you can, it means doing two things at the same time. This will be harder for the blokes than it is the women. It's always an excuse at home. I'm a bloke, I can't do two things at once. It's true. But you need to, need to hear this. How do we appeal for justice when we love, when we're to also love our enemies? Can we do it? What if David's wicked enemies had repented and, and turned around and genuinely asked for forgiveness before we got to this stage? But they're not seeking it though, are they? And so the question is a little surreal. But we're right to wonder, well, would David have granted it willingly? Would David have forgiven him willingly before we got to this stage? And if we think about the way David engaged with someone like, say, Saul, then the answer would be, well, yeah, it would have been consistent with his character. But it's one thing to be willing to forgive but it's entirely another thing for the offending party to be contrite and they see their need to repent. And so sometimes when the possibility of forgiveness and reconciliation is remote, all we are left with is a cry for justice. And that's what we see here this morning. David did have moments when he flashed hot with anger but he also had moments when he showed grace upon grace upon grace and that points us to the to the better David the greater David we meet in Jesus as we read the gospels we see moments where Jesus flashes hot with anger as we read Matthew's gospel did we get the sense of indignation he had towards the Pharisees. He's so angry with them. He shreds them, really, with his words. When God's honour is dragged through the mud, when God is treated like contempt, uh, you can expect Jesus not to be happy about that. But we also know our King and Saviour shows grace upon grace, upon grace. And so then isn't it true that because Jesus is holy and just, the unrepentant will experience his full and righteous retribution? That's true. So God is not either or when it comes to love and justice. God is both loving and just. Now, where do we see that? Well, isn't that what we see at the cross? At the cross, God's justice is poured out as his wrath and judgment are applied to Jesus. The penalty for sin is paid in full. At the cross, we see God's justice. Justice is served, but at the cross, we also see God's love and mercy. It's shown to us as this work on the cross becomes a gift of grace and love for us, such as God's love, the undeserving can be forgiven. We can now carry, not only are we forgiven, we can now carry the status of 
being family, being God's children, his sons, his daughters. We become heirs of eternity as we are adopted into the family business. Now, people who walk by the Spirit, we read in Galatians 5. And so at the cross, as we come to the Lord's table in a minute and we give thanks for all that Jesus secures for us, we can know that God's justice is served. But so also is his love and grace demonstrated. And Jesus makes that possible for us also through his work on the cross. And so if someone comes to us seeking forgiveness, as Christians, we should be ready, ready to give it. We should be. That's the New Testament. Willing to do it quickly and freely and joyfully. But what about justice? Well, we do that knowing that justice will still be served. Justice will always be done. And that is God's department. And so we need not to be afraid to forgive. And we not, need not to be afraid to humbly ask God to act with justice either. And so here's our last question this morning as we think about responding in faith. If this is our response to gossip, instead of doing damage control stuff, instead, if you manage to pull this off, do you believe God will answer you? You're able to bring it to God. That's great. Do you believe God will answer you? Because David did. Look at verse 12. He says, I know that the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. Surely the righteous will praise your name and the upright will live in your presence. David knows God is present and he knows God will answer and he knows God, well, he'll settle any score that needs to be settled. It's up to him. God will see that justice will be done for those who ask for it. But we need to wait and we need to be patient because, of course, our timetable isn't the same as God's. Our timetable is a fast food timetable, isn't it? Where we want everything done yesterday. And our sense of justice can be the same. We can want it served just how we like it. But it may take time. And remember, God is rarely early, but he's never late. God is rarely early, but he's never, ever late. We need to remember Jesus, who entrusted himself to the just judge. That's 1 Peter. Jesus, where there was no sin, no deceit in his mouth. And he didn't retaliate or make threats when they executed him. Yet he died on the cross, the shameful cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And when was Jesus vindicated? Well, he wasn't vindicated until after his resurrection. And for you and me, Sometimes it can get worse before it can get better. But you can be sure that under God at some stage it will. God promises justice. It's essential to his character to bring justice, to restore reputations, 
and to make everything right. And Jesus himself knows what this stuff is like. Verse 13, Surely the righteous will praise your name and the upright will live in your presence. And in Jesus, we know this is true right now. The incredible truth of verse 13 is that Jesus is the righteous one who is praising the Father's name and he is the upright one that lives before him right now. And the other truth is, so do we, so do we when our faith is in Jesus. So let's hold fast to him. Amen.